0: going to chick flicks i'm mackenzie chapman
1: and i'm bridget Hovell. and today we are talking about the curse of la Llorona and la Llorona.
0: but first let's catch up what are you into bridget
1: um okay so i have a book that i recently finished that i really enjoyed and wanted to plug um it's called Transition baby by tori peters um it is about a group of of three people um Kind of the main character is a trans woman named Reese. And she is contacted by her former lover and partner... Who is a person named Ames... Who has detransitioned from being a trans woman... um, And is now living as a man. And Ames, as a man, has unwittingly impregnated his boss... Who he's in a relationship with. So he contacts Reese... The trans woman who's kind of like the focal character and asks if she would like to raise the baby with him and his new partner in kind of like a like a tri- triad I guess a triad um mm-hmm. and this kind of queer reimagining of what family can be but the book is goes really um far into all i guess both of their lives um i guess that my one kind of comment would be like both Ames and Reese are given a lot of time in the book to kind of like sort through their feelings. And the cis woman who's carrying the child, um, Katrina, is kind of like a secondary character. But um, you get to learn a lot about the biographies of both Ames and Reese. And um, Tori Peters, I found her writing to be like really um, cutting and unique. And I, I just really enjoyed the book. It felt um, like a really interesting read about uh, like queer familyhood uh that I hadn't encountered before um the second thing that I'm into this week is I'm listening to this podcast by Jamie Luftus who is of um the Bechdel cast uh which is Mm -hmm. a a film podcast and she's also a comedian and a writer and so this podcast is called Lolita Podcast and it is about the book by Vladimir uh, Nabokov Lolita It's about Mm -hmm. subsequent adaptations of Lolita um, as a movie, as a musical, if you can believe it or not. Um, Wow. (laughs) And as a play. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. And also (laughs) just kind of about how the story has been warped and kind of mutated on its own and how people have misunderstood it um, from its original intentions. And it's an amazing feat of research performed by jamie Leftus, she does an episode all on Nabokov. she does one on like child psychology about sexual abuse um mm-hmm. she does an episode just about the different stage adaptations and the film adaptations such as stanley kubrick's adaptation of lolita um and really at all turns this could have been a story about a survivor of childhood incest and instead like Mm. people interpret Lolita to be like a love story you know um and right men men especially who have adapted it like Stanley Kubrick have just kind of like really bastardized it and Vladimir Nabokov also like had good intentions and I think was trying to be very critical of like pedophilia and was also I was surprised to learn um a victim of uh childhood sexual abuse himself anyway Mm -hmm. it's really interesting it's she just doesn't jamie left us just as like an amazing job um at getting Mm -hmm. into how um it's become like a cultural touchstone and yet it's still like such a Mm
0: -hmm. sorry i just interrupted you it's okay okay. were you gonna say say have have i read it yeah
1: i did read it in high school and i was telling tim he asked me if i had read it because we were listening to the podcast together in the kitchen and i was like yeah i read it when i was in high school like probably way too young And he was like, why did you read it? And I was like, I think I thought it was like a sexy book, like a sexy story, Mm. you know, Um, the cover on a lot of the editions is of like, you know, a girl with heart sunglasses on sucking a lollipop, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and Vladimir Nabokov had really strict instructions that there was to never be a girl on the cover of the book. He was like he gave fuck? instructions like there should only be like a landscape or like a wash of abstract colors. I do not want mm. a girl represented on the book, and they just totally didn't listen to him. So wow. it's really it's really interesting, um, yeah. to to hear and read about. Um, and uh, I think in future episodes, she's going to go into the lives of the people who have portrayed Lolita um,
0: mm.
1: on stage or in films. Because uh, there's been several film adaptations to kind of see like how that has affected them to, you know, be a child in a sexualized, uh, you know, film mm. role. Um, yeah, really interesting. Like, can't recommend it enough if you have like some time in the car or like cleaning around the house. It's been, it's been really interesting to listen to. Um, okay. and the, the last thing I've been into recently is Tim and I are watching for the first time Twin Peaks The Return, the, um, the continuation of Twin Peaks that came out in 2017 by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Uh, I say that I'm into it. I am tentatively into it. You know, we're like four episodes in. Each episode mm-hmm. is an hour long. There's 18 episodes. <laughs> I do keep thinking <laughs> about that. I'm like, this is so long. Um, I, I think I'm like a David Lynch skeptic. Um, mm-hmm. I like a lot of his stuff, but I do think that he probably hates women uh, and really <laughs> likes violent imagery about women so Mm. yeah tentatively enjoying it Mackenzie I've talked enough what are you into this week
0: um so the first thing is uh the interview on fresh air with Lee Isaac Chung who directed Mm -hmm. uh Minari which I pronounced wrong in our 2020 wrap-up episode so I sorry about that but it's mean mm. <laughs> um and i that was my favorite movie of the year last year um and in this interview on fresh air it's you really get a sense for how personal the movie was to him and he even gets mm. like a little bit choked up during it and it's just it's i haven't really heard that f- sort of like emotion from a lot of mm. f- filmmakers Talking about their movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I obviously, if you listen to the podcast, we love our emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and shit. So I was really into that <laughs> interview. And um, so, highly recommend if you liked Meet or if you're interested in learning more about it but haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, I recommend uh, listening to that to get a feel for what went into making it um and then the second thing is kim's convenience which is a canadian sitcom that um recently got canceled prematurely um which i had always like meant to watch it and then when i it was in the news for getting canceled i was like fuck i should watch it and it's on netflix uh i think there are five seasons out but four on netflix so i haven't actually seen the fifth season but i Mm -hmm. have been really loving the uh, have really loved watching it um the family is really sweet um the kim family in it is really sweet it's a uh takes place in toronto um which i think a lot of people have compared it to schitt's creek like another Mm -hmm. canadian a television mm-hmm. show but that was able to like r- like that was about a family like uh and followed them for several years but schitt's creek was able to like see its story through to completion mm-hmm. but kim's convenience was canceled prematurely i'm really hoping that yeah. it'll have like a- someone will pick it up and it'll have sort of like a second life um but it does a really good job of just, like, making the family feel, like, lived in. And mm-hmm. uh, also just, like, the actual store is just, you feel, like, like at home there. Mm. Um, so it's just, like, a very comforting and funny show. So I've been, like, liking that. Um, and then the last thing is sort of, like, a meh recommendation <laughs>
1: it's our third one is always a stretch i feel like <laughs>
0: i well i have like a few other things that i've been to but i'm saving them i yeah. guess um but i yeah. watched the last blockbuster which is a documentary on netflix i think where mm-hmm. i watched it Yep, and it i don't know it just like hits like all of that nostalgia obviously we love movies so we loved Blockbuster when it was around. I just remember, like, oh, yeah. like going to Blockbuster at least once a week, if not more, with my mom, and like, oh yeah, like the guy knew us there. Mm-hmm. And it in the um, documentary, they interview like a bunch of famous people that used to work there, like uh, Adam Brody and pa- Paul Shear. Paul Shear, Shear? is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, And they focus really on the last blockbuster, which is in uh, Bend, Oregon. There's still one remaining blockbuster and the store manager there. Um, And it's nice to see them center her so much in the story because she really, I think... The reason it's still maybe surviving is because I think it's the novelty of it being the last one. And I think mm. people's like nostalgia has yeah. created some like uh, celebrity around that. But I also think that the manager uh, has like created this sort of community around it. Um, so mm-hmm. it was, it was nice to watch. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was it hit that nostalgia button, you know, so. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was sweet. You know, it is like, I've seen some people joke about how funny it is that Netflix has a documentary about like the death of Blockbuster. Um, Mm. And like, because they contributed to it. Uh, Right. (laughs) But I I really do miss like going into a physical video store. Um, And we all probably had a different relationship with film when they were like physical objects, you know, Yeah, so so rarely are now. Uh, yeah, and same, yeah. I can remember, like, going on a Friday and my dad would get us Mike and Ikes and milk beds. At the yeah, really.
0: Duh, my mom For never got us candy. <laughs> <laughs> never had the candy. Oh,
1: so much candy.
0: <laughs> so another thing that we wanted to touch upon before we started talking about the movies that we're covering this week is the shootings that happened this week um and we just wanted to spotlight some um organizations that we would like to support um and for me i looked up philly organizations um since that's where i am and i think it's always best to support locally Mm. but um i know that uh red canary song is also like a new york new york location that is getting a lot Mm -hmm. of traction so that's another one if you're looking for something like Mm -hmm. uh more broad but in philly there's um asian americans united viet lead cmac which is Uh, acronym it's s-e-a-m-a-a-c um laos in the house chinatown p-c-d-c and the asian arts initiative um and bridget also wanted to talk about the history of asian americans in the oscars
1: yeah so the writer and comedian demi adigewebe who is on instagram and twitter at electrolemon um posted a really interesting thread about the history of Asian American representation um, at the Oscars. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's like weird to talk about because obviously like when people's lives are endangered, certainly award shows are not pressing or urgent to be discussed. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I think everyone who loves and enjoys film can kind of realize this as well, that, that, how stories are told about a group of people and the representation they receive at the highest level, you know, because the Oscars really dictate taste for, um, a big portion of the country. Um, it's important, you know, and when you see Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people of color widely have been left out of, um, you know, receiving awards, being recognized for work they already are doing. Um, you know, like, there's obviously a problem. Recently, we have learned that Stephen Yun and Chloe Zhao have, you know, received kind of noteworthy historic uh, nominations for the Oscars this year, but Stephen is the first Asian-American man to be nominated in its 93-year history. So it's very bittersweet, and there's a lot of work to be done, and I just hope people realize that it is imp- it is important, you know? Representation yeah. is not the end-all, be-all, and it will not solve larger issues, but if you love film, it's important.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you can, consider supporting those organizations that I mentioned before or look up some organizations where you live.
1: And we're about to jump into uh, a comparison of two movies that came out in the same year mm-hmm. about the same subject that really could not be more different. Mm-hmm. One is a small film from uh, Guatemala, uh and the other is from a gigantic American franchise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think they knew that the, like they were being made in the same year?
1: I would have to imagine um, that. You know, I don't know if the Conjuring people knew, but um, I don't know that that would be interesting to hear. I included in our notes uh, a Reddit post that I found. I was trying to look up how these movies were received and sometimes there's some like interesting Reddit threads. Mm-hmm. This person LaserBees posted, "Eh, it has a lot of jump scares. It's very predictable and doesn't build the spooky vibe very well. It might be a big step for Guatemala, but I didn't like it at all." Edit: Apparently La Llorona and The Curse of La Llorona are two different movies and I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing. Like it is weird that like two movies with like yeah. almost the same names came out in the yeah. same year
1: yeah and the curse ruined the other movies like seo
0: yeah it's i'm very sure. very hard to look it up i'm sure yes yeah. yeah the same thing happened the year avatar came out the oh. same year as avatar the last airbender which
1: is yeah and it's also like there was okay there was never rarely sometimes always this year and then there was another movie that was like always sometimes never
0: no yeah you're totally right what was it I don't remember.
1: You, come on, Hollywood. <laughs> let's get it together.
0: There's so many words.
1: Yeah, I know. There's an endless combination of words. <laughs> All right, let's 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 jump in.
0: The first movie we're talking about is The Curse of La Llorona from 2019. In 1973, a social worker named Anna Tate Garcia is trying to balance life and work after the death of her police officer husband, Carlos. A mother herself, she's deeply invested in the case of British... Patricia Alvarez a Mexican woman accused of abusing her two sons after Patricia's sons are mysteriously drowned Anna's own children begin to experience a strange haunting are Patricia and Anna unfit mothers or are their families being tormented by La Llorona the wailing woman
1: so this movie is part of the Conjuring uh, expanded universe directed by Michael Chavez written by Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Iacones Um, and I have enjoyed other movies in the Conjuring universe. What about you?
0: I really like the first Conjuring. Yeah. Um, the other ones I've been sort of meh on. Middling. Um, yeah. But I feel like The Conjuring is one of the best, like, standard horror movies. If that makes sense. Like, sure. I feel like there's... Recently, been like, like we, this term we don't love, I guess, but like elevated horror, quote unquote. There's yeah. like, so there's like all of those movies that we love, of course, mm-hmm. but I feel like The Conjuring is one of, is like very like classic.
1: Yeah, definitely. And does and it, it really, well. It ushered in, I think, kind of like this trend too. And like you were saying, they are kind of like prefabbed almost, where starting this movie and knowing it was kind of produced under this umbrella, I feel like you know exactly what you're getting.
0: I didn't that, even know. I didn't know oh, really? No, not until oh, they show, like, the doll, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is the lowest
1: grossing installment of the series, which I thought was interesting. But it's still made a killing because they can make these movies so cheaply um, and then kind of count on a large audience, um, which is what is, I think, attractive about horror for a lot of producers. Hmm. Um, I'm going to... Show my cards right now and say that this movie is bad. <laughs> this movie is really, really bad.
0: I okay, I'll say that I my expectations were like in in the gutter, so yeah. it exceeded my expectations. I you had texted me and we were like, this is the lowest I'm gonna rate any movie that we've ever talked about. So yeah. I was like, oh shit, like oh, okay. <laughs> but then I watched it. I was like, okay, like I get like yeah. I I didn't love it, but it, I also. Uh, thought it would be way worse
1: yeah I'm trying to think of other movies that we've done that I really haven't liked like maybe VHS do I dislike this as much as VHS maybe not
0: Uh, true yeah I don't even remember what I rated that though yeah
1: I don't either and that was that really felt like like, a low point Um, yeah I think so (laughs) in our (laughs) oove so this movie I had tried to watch once before and turned it off Mm -hmm. um it immediately, like, the first, most glaring thing that is annoying about this film is that it takes this folk tale and myth from um, Latin American culture, Mm. and the star of the film is Linda Cardellini from... Cardinelli. (laughs) (laughs) Cardinelli. Uh, You know what? I write her name a different way every time I write it, too. Um, In So I apologize to my (laughs) Italian uh, brethren... (laughs) Um, I love her, but it's crazy that this is like a white savior movie and uh, like, let's just get into it. The stuff about race in this movie. First of all, Linda's character, Anna Mm -hmm. has, um, children who are, have a Latino father, Mm -hmm. Carlos, who's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that's the way the movie is like, this is okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. There's definitely not a lack of talented Latina actresses that could Mm -hmm. have been in this role and perhaps brought a lot more to the part, too, in having some sort of like connection. Um, She's fine in it, it just feels really weird. And the other like weird race element in this movie is that her co workers, so she's like a social worker and her husband was a cop. Um, which I've seen a few people on social media kind of pointing out that this happens a lot with casting. Black men will be cast as cops pretty regularly, and mm-hmm. I think this like serves two functions it's to avoid like the association of the cop character like as, as being like racist or like bad, yeah. so they get the cast of, and I also think it's um. It's not in particular with this movie, but whenever I watch a movie and like the main family is white and then like a black cop will show up Mm -hmm. or interact with the family. I feel like that's a way of being like, yeah, we're going to make a movie about white people, but we can cast the tertiary roles and supporting roles as people of color. We watched a a horror movie last night that had the exact same thing. It was about a family of a white family. And then there was a, a black cop. You know, uh, mm. it's like a weird phenomena. And then also, Anna's co- other coworker is an Asian woman who is like deeply suspicious of Anna. Yeah, and that also felt like weird and charged to me yeah. too. Yeah,
0: and like competitive or something. Yeah, like, yeah, it was very strange for no dynamic. reason. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And she's a caseworker, which is like also being a cop. Yeah. Know. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, even though it's like, okay, this this cop is dead, I was still like, mm. fuck cops.
1: Like, yeah, why did they make him a cop?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the kid was like, playing as a cop. Mm-hmm. I was like, ugh.
1: And so then she, immediately at the start of the film, is investigating this woman, Patricia Alvarez, who's um, a Latina mother with two sons. And I just feel like This movie takes a hard dive into a lot of stereotypes that had the film been helmed by, uh, you know, like Latinx people, it would have avoided, you know, uh, I think Patricia being a superstitious, deranged mom Mm -hmm. really came across like poorly. Yeah. And like, what do you think?
0: portrayed as like abusive and mm-hmm. i think that like a lot of i think this this movie could have had a lot of like uh like poignant themes that horror does mm-hmm. really well which are like grief and you know even things with like uh mm-hmm. like abusive family or dealing with mm-hmm. like mental illness i think horror can do that really well like i think like the babadook does that really well with like depression and mm-hmm. like uh being a mom and um and the movie that we're gonna talk about next yeah. also does it really well um but this movie i think like doesn't take any of those threads and do anything with them um and i don't think it like understands that it has yeah. it doesn't seem self-aware like at all
1: no Totally. Like it doesn't even feel like there's really a connection made between the spirit being a spirit like of mm-hmm. grief and the family yeah. going through a grieving, you know, grieving yes. their father. There's yeah. no connection. No. Yeah. no, not at all. It's so weird. It's such like a weird missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, And really like, you know, when you think of like exactly what you were saying, when like horror is, you know, sometimes really... Is able to serve as like a metaphor for something, mm-hmm. they're ju- it's just unexplored, like period. Like, yes. They don't even really go that far into the curse or the, the history. You Not,
0: know? No, and even that, it seems like, what do I, I want to say, like disrespectful, but there's another word for it that's better. Yeah. <laughs> but like when it comes to the curse, it's like, oh, it's this woman who was like cheated on. Yeah. But, so she like killed her kids. I think that, like, not to already start talking about the next movie, but Mm -hmm. in the other movie, it's, like, about this, like, collective grief about, like, Mm -hmm. this atrocity, like, national atrocity. And I think that's, like, much more poignant than, like, oh, this crazy woman killed her kids, I guess. Yeah. Because I think that that is so harder to, like, empathize with, I guess, or, Mm -hmm. like, understand just, like this idea like of someone snapping and kind of, of randomly nowhere. murdering yeah. their yeah. children than like this uh you know like i said like national tragedy exactly
1: but. yeah totally and we read this article in l by rose uh mina Talagio, um the story behind the horror film the curse of la lorona's wailing woman and she kind of uh, you know does a brief overview of like some important historical aspects to note like this folktale has been around for hundreds of years and is probably born out of the mass amount of violence against the Aztec empire when the Spaniards came and colonized the area you know right. um, she writes this is a folkloric myth of a woman lamenting the loss of her children wasn't is a powerful message rooted in the values and cultures of the people mm-hmm. Um which is so much more powerful than a woman snapping because she was cheated on. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, it just
0: doesn't seem like they understood it or were interested in exploring it and making mm. it actually, like, mean anything. It just seemed all very shallow.
1: Monica Castillo, um, who's a writer for Roger Ebert, um, she actually reviewed both of these movies, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting that we yeah. got to have one writer's take on both of them. Mm-hmm. But she points out that... Um, In this movie, Spanish functions as the language of the other, the language used by a deranged woman, a folk healer, and a murderous ghost. The Spanish in the movie offers nothing like the feeling of home and safety, like the Spanglish lines in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. In order to sidestep using subtitles, the Curse of La Llorona does not translate the Spanish-language dialogue, which is kind of a treat for Spanish speakers in the audience, but reaffirms the otherworldliness of La Llorona and um, the other characters. Which is weird. I noticed that too. I was like, and they 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 subtitle some dialogue and then not others. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when this book came out last year. What was that book called? That book that got all of the um, controversy because a white woman wrote it about. Oh um,
0: yeah, I forget what it was called.
1: American Dirt.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible.
1: Um, <laughs> really terrible. But I remember reading, um, you know, some Latino and Latina writers talking about the book and pointing out it does a classic white people writing bilingual characters thing which is uh, I will read this is a script line from the movie script tonight la comida is for comfort you know like yeah. any bilingual person i know has never done that you know <laughs> like just <laughs> randomly like used one word for emphasis
0: it does and it also feels like the kids don't have any like yeah. cultural ties to their dad at all mm-hmm. you know so and I don't think they speak Spanish I think that was noted in one of the reviews yeah. that we read so it seems like like the, that's another way that the like legend isn't like rooted in the mm-hmm. values and cultures of the people it's like even the the like those values and like cultures aren't even instilled in the house with the kids. Yeah, because the dad is dead, I guess, and the mom didn't bother to. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, and that could have been a horror movie too about um, you know, kind of like the 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 maybe like isolating feeling of not yeah. being able to. Your father is dead, and now you're not in touch with a yeah. part of your your culture and history. That would have been uh, interesting. Yeah, and you have, like, a white mom who is a cop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, I will say, this movie is entirely, wholly uninventive in terms of scares. Yeah. Like, not scared at all, this whole film.
0: Yeah. I mean, as much as, like, a jump scare will scare you, you know, like, but I don't think it it was, like, fresh, you know, like, there was nothing unique about it, I think. Um, Yeah. And even like some of the more interesting shots, like the one where the like, mm. uh, spirit is like jolted out of the house is like pulled from something like the Evil Dead. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's cool, but it's like,
1: is it, is else. it unique? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and it just seems like they were also as a family, like the characters really 2D, uh, the scene where the little girl goes back for the doll seems so mm-hmm. contrived yeah. to annoy yes. the viewer. Yes. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. I would say that it 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 also seems pretty like campy, which I and I love camp, but it don't like I said there's no self awareness, so I don't think it like knew that it was being campy, which is sort of like mm-hmm. makes it like a little eye rolly, I guess. Um, yeah. like if it had, if it had leaned full into that, like she literally stabs La Llorona with a, cr- like a wooden cross, which I think is just pretty campy. If yeah. they had like leaned into that, maybe it would have been more mm. fun. Um, I did think, I did like the character of the Carandero, the like, um, like shaman character, Raphael. Uh, yeah. he did provide like some comedic relief, so, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And he was just like a comforting presence. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not great. It was just not great. It was. It's interesting, like to kind of talk about elevated horror again. That so much of it seems like so toothless and afraid to take like any weird risks. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this director is going to direct the next main Conjuring movie too. I was reading, even though this movie was the performed. Um, you know yeah not great
0: yeah i mean i don't know if the direct like i just i i feel like maybe the writing was like yeah it was the, the writing weakest part like i think there were some like like interesting shots like i said with like the evil dead thing mm-hmm. and the like i don't know like the when like in the bath when the um yeah. malurona is was, like washing the daughter's hair i thought that was like Ki- like kind of striking it visually. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was pretty much it. Kind of a disappointment. I don't know if I'm gonna give it a two. Like I said, <laughs> should we jump into one star reviews? Or oh yeah. Else you want to? Yeah, order? I think I'm good. Yeah. This is uh, intriguing. We were lucky to watch that movie in teen-free premises, which allowed us to focus on the story without suffering jumps, screams. and and laugh at their own jumps and screams and repeat. This let us realize plots and twists were not part of the original budget. This person was like, I watched this without any teenagers around, which is an interesting thing to point out in a review.
0: I guess because, like, if you're in an audience with teens, they just like mm-hmm. perform reactions, which is fun. Yeah.
1: It is fun. You know? It's make, it has made movies a lot, it has elevated movies for me before. Yeah.
0: So. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were lucky to watch it like that, like they said. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Because they were
0: like, we were lucky to watch it, so we can this way, so we can realize yes. how boring it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, they so might have done the movie a favor. Yeah.
0: Um, and the second is, <laughs> La Yorona will make you cry for the wrong reason, which is clever.
1: I like a pun. <laughs> Um, the final one star review is when the CPS mom went to her house and asked, What's wrong? Where are the kids? She gives a cryptic answer while looking nuts Why not just say, There is an evil spirit here trying to steal my kids so they're safe in the closet?
0: Yeah, why not just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I get that like frustration. Like, it, it yeah. is like a feeling that you feel while you're watching the movie. You're like, Just say the truth, but it's like, Okay, but yeah. or will they, like, you know, yeah, so.
1: Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts on this version of La Llorona?
0: Um, so my final thoughts for The Curse of La Llorona was that it seemed like a pretty standard like B movie, except that it was particularly disappointing that it like could have had all these like strong themes, like I said, about like grief and motherhood and stuff and like family and it didn't do that. It just it seems like no one really thought about this movie, I guess, yeah. <laughs> really, very deeply. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll give it, like... And do I want to watch it ever again? Probably not. No. No. I'll, I'll rate it, like, a four, I guess. Because it also didn't make me angry, like, VHS. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's VHS true. made me angry. It was disappointed. disappointing. Yeah. You know, we're not angry, we're disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, wrote directed this and produced it like within the span of a week yeah um you know uh just like really uninventive unimaginative Mm -hmm. and kind of not very curious around its own source material Mm -hmm. um which is a bummer and it's gonna be fun to contrast it with our next movie
0: wait what did you give it i gave it a four but now i'm like maybe a three i don't know yeah
1: i'm gonna give mine a a three i I hate to do it. I hate to do it. It's a bad... It's not good. Yeah. I cannot re- recommend it to anyone.
0: Because um, I think I, re- I rated Annihilation a four, I think. So I have to rate this a oh, three. Oh, shit. Okay. I have to rate this yeah. a three.
1: Yeah. This is, Annihilation is better than this yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, we were harsh. Um, yeah. It's also disappointing. I think Monica Castillo writes this in her, inter- uh, her review. You know, like, lat- Latino people love horror and Show up for Mm. horror movies. Yeah. um, And are a big demographic that enjoy horror movies. So they deserve better, better, crappy horror movies, too. Yeah. The whole range of good and bad films. Yeah. All right. Up next, we have a different movie about the same subject matter, kind of. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. This is uh, La Llorona from 2019. Um, After escaping charges of genocide, former Guatemalan general Enrique Monteverde retreats to his palatial mansion to be with his wife, daughter, and granddaughter. The Monteverde family is trapped in their home by hordes of protesters who chant day and night and brandish pictures of loved ones lost to the general's violence. A new maid arrives after most of the other servants flee. Her name is Alma, and she wears long white gowns and teaches Monteverde's granddaughter how to hold her breath underwater. After denying and refuting his crimes, the general's family is finally forced to confront the horrors that they have longed lived with. Longed lived live with. Um, and so this movie is by Jairo Bustamante. Co-written by Lisandro Sanchez, um, and it's a good movie. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it was your favorite movie of 2020. Yeah.
1: I really, I really, really love this movie. Um, yeah. It just, I think it gets, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I can imagine them watching it and not liking it because it's not like scary. Mm-hmm. It's not a frightening horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's more about like a mood, right. a sense of dread. Mm-hmm and, like, an atmosphere, yeah. but I like, I really like slow burns like this, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy movies like this, that can kind of also be, like, a character study or a drama of, about a family. What did you think?
0: I mean, I really liked it, too. I like, um, I like ghost stories that are, like, seem, like, fresh and, like, unique, like, personal shopper, like, love that. Yeah. Um, mm. and I think that this movie is just really smart at what it's doing unlike the curse of la Llorona, like i think it really uh like is able to take this like folktale and layer on top of it um all of these things about like national tragedy um mm-hmm. like f- like familial drama mm-hmm. and like conflict and like, responsibility, I guess, and empathy, and just, yeah, it's a lot more interesting. There's a lot more going on, I feel like, a lot more to think about.
1: Mm -hmm. It really is, and like I said, you know, it just goes to show you that if you have, like, a, it's, you, it, writers, like, should, should not be beholden to only, like, write what they know, Mm -hmm. but it certainly helps, you know, (laughs) uh, like, if you have a connection to the story in some way, Mm -hmm. and you're not just a, a writer hired by the Conjuring studio, (laughs) to tackle um you know uh, a myth you have like no connection to whatsoever um and uh yeah I think this is just like a brilliant kind of um pairing of a folktale with like some recent history Mm -hmm. as well um the general is based on the country's former president Efrain Rios Mont um and uh it's you know like issues too that are extremely relevant about like indigenous rights and treatment Mm -hmm. um But the movie, however, is like the main characters and the people you that like kind of your perspective is like aligned with the most are is like the family of the general. You know, it's not a movie ultimately about the indigenous women or even Alma. It's about, I think, you know, my is about like his wife and his daughter kind of coming to terms with being related to a monster. Yeah, I
0: don't think and I don't think I ever felt that they were necessarily, like, good, though. Like, from the start, no. I was like, these are, like, bad people, but you're right, we do mm-hmm. spend the most, like, time with them. But I think it was yeah. more just, like, about exposing... Mm-hmm. um, Like, yeah, like you were saying, like, coming to terms with it, like, sort of like a reckoning mm-hmm. of what they've been, like, complacent in.
1: hmm Definitely. And you see it with his daughter, uh Natalia, who is like more progressive. She's a doctor. Um, and you get the sense that she's like home f- because her father has been on trial um, mm-hmm. and awaiting a sentencing that doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, she asks her mom some kind of like targeted questions about her father's past and like what she thought of it. And her mom kind of shuts her down mm-hmm. and, you know, the victim blames mm-hmm. and kind of, shrugs it away mm-hmm. um, and one of the interesting choices I think that Jairo Bustamante makes in this movie is that he reveals Alma's past through flashbacks that the wife Carmen experiences mm-hmm. in a first person sense like mm-hmm. she is Alma in the flashbacks um, I was thinking a lot while watching it too about like how you know it's it's about like these rich women who are in a different class mm-hmm. Um, an ethnic group, kind of like being able to like relate to other women. Ultimately, I yeah. guess. Um, I was also thinking I was really struck by this one scene where the general is like prowling through his house with a gun, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of how he has now infiltrated the domestic lives of multiple groups of women, right. you know, even his the domestic life of the women he lives with yeah. and it brought like violence into their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just it's a movie I have like there's a lot like a lot to think on
0: yeah i mean i think like like you were saying with the um how carmen is sort of shown almost history through like dreams or like flashbacks Mm -hmm. um i think that it's sort of like la llorona is this like spirit not not necessarily like of a literal like woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though that is like a striking image and i think that they like, use it well, because I think they, they sort of play with this, mm-hmm. like, like, you're led to believe it's Alma, um, but sometimes, like, I was like, maybe it's Carmen, because she was having mm-hmm. this, like, issue with her eyes, and, mm-hmm. um but at the, but really, it's like, this is a, and because, she, like, Carmen was, like, crying in the night, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, is that the person that... The mm-hmm. general was here and crying, um, and he is the first person that uh, she is the first person that he like attacks um, because she mm-hmm. he thinks that she's like the crying woman. Um, mm-hmm. but it's really like this sort of, like La is sort of like this collective like grief that I think can like inhabit anyone, and I think that throughout the whole movie, like you hear the protest. There are protesters outside mm-hmm. of the house, so the entire movie there's like this din of noise coming from outside it's like it changes from like one person banging a drum Mm. to like everyone in the crowd chanting Mm. to songs like it but it's just like constant noise and that is almost like that I feel like that could be the noise of La Llorona too like the like Mm. grief of the protesters um, who lost all their like loved ones in this like genocide Mm Mhm.
1: That's a really good point. It's an interesting point. Um, yeah, and it just all contributes to like this this strange atmosphere. Like we said, um, where they're in like kind of this um, refuge indoors, and there's a lot of really beautiful shots too. Mm-hmm. Um, Bustamante's cinematography really favors like Alma's white gown mm-hmm. and like white curtains, kind of yeah. signifying, you know, like the spirit world is in the house mm-hmm. and intermingling what did you think of kind of a narrative loop that never got tied up? Um, Sarah, who is the granddaughter, it's like repeatedly mentioned that her father is missing. Uh,
0: I think it was supposed to imply that the general had like had him killed maybe, or yeah. it, it had at least it made you think that, I think. Mm-hmm. And sort of was like, um, it. it was sort of planted there, I think, to make you like Mm -hmm. realize like no one's safe i guess or Mm -hmm. to like make you think Mm -hmm. make you see that natalia was questioning her Mm -hmm. what her father was actually capable of i guess Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely um i think some beautiful performances at the center of this film too um both played, you know, the Alma and the the other women in the family um, that I really enjoyed as well. Uh, the general is, like, so spooky because he's such an old little man yeah. at this point, too. It and you see him, him like, more frightening. and he's,
0: like, a horny for Alma, too, which is just so creepy. Oh, yeah. It's so creepy. Um, yeah. But I do think that Like, going back to, like, the actual, like, legend of La Llorona, I think that the indigenous people, like, the workers of the house are the first people to sort of, I think, pick up on, like, something supernatural happening. And I think that it goes back to the um, sort of, like, background of the, like, um, legend that we read about in L by Rose... Like they know the history because they've always been there. Like, and mm. it's it is part of their culture, and mm-hmm. they know. Like the it's it's almost I think could be applied to like they know the true history of the genocide too. Unlike the family, like the family mm-hmm. just like has no idea what's going on. Period. They're just like sort of, uh, willfully ignorant of what's been what sort of life they've been living and i think it's like really the indigenous people know the true history not just of like the legend of la Llorona, but also Mm -hmm. just like the genocide Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely i at some point i was thinking you know um like it reminded me kind of of the same, like, portrayal of Patricia Alvarez in the other movie, you know, like, she's superstitious, and it's kind of, like, a stereotype that people are, like, more connected to spirits in that way, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that in terms of, like, the, the, the you know, like, the serving class kind of being more superstitious mm-hmm. is, is kind of, like, a stereotype, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is, has made its way even into, like, American culture yeah. as well, too.
0: Um,
1: so I was intre- that was, like, one point that I kind of, like, ticked on. Mm-hmm. It is a horror movie, though, so...
0: Um, I think, yeah, and I think for me, if I'm, like, I think if there's, like, gonna be, I guess, superstition in a movie, it would make sense for the people that the legend, that, like, belonged mm, to, to be, like, to know about weird. it, <laughs> I guess. No, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a stereotype that's, like, mm-hmm. pervaded, like, a lot of other movies, I would say. Mm-hmm.
1: A really great way to set up the characters of the family at the beginning of the film is when the staff is basically quitting in mass because they're mm. you know they f- they're frightened both of the general of the weeping woman and of the protesters. Right. the The mother, um, Carmen, is like we're we've treated you like family, like how ungrateful for you to quit. And I was like, ooh, this employers <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> yeah, have used this line, uh, yeah.
0: And I don't think even at the end, like um i don't think you're entirely like like throughout the movie i think you do gain some empathy for the like uh women of the family but i don't Mm -hmm. think at the end you're entirely like they're not like off the hook at the end because they have have like understood the Mm -hmm they have a better understanding mm-hmm. for what they have been, like, complicit in. Yeah. I, d- I don't think mm-hmm. it, like, really lets them off the hook. But it does, Agreed. like, give a nice, like, arc, I think.
1: hmm um, Yeah. Yeah, and it, it that it's not, like, kind of a neat ending, and it's unsettling in that way, I think is, like, a strength of the movie mm-hmm. um, as well. You know, um, Monica Castillo, in her review, you know, writes that... Um, Bustamante uses the old haunted tale not to scare us but to force his audience into reflect the ways they are complicit in oppression. Mm, yeah. That's a good a good a good summary yeah. of the film. Yeah.
0: I think so too. Mm-hmm yeah it's just so smart and like you were saying like it's just beautiful to look at too like the photography is yeah. amazing and I love oh, the frogs yeah. and any like water shot mm. was great it just it plays a lot with like light and dark and foreground mm-hmm. background it's just like yeah. very and like you mm-hmm. you noted too like there are a lot of like slow zooms it just is mm-hmm. really like character driven um even yeah. with it's like photography so
1: Hmm. They submitted this movie as their their entry to the foreign category of the Oscars, mm. and they did not receive a nomination, which I think is a really big bummer.
0: Dang, um, yeah, it's so good. I thought this,
1: yeah. Apparently, is a big big um, Bustamante is like a big star in Guatemala, mm. and hopefully, he'll make more movies. Um, I hope he makes more movies in this genre too. Yeah, uh, definitely. Do you want to jump into one stars?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the first one star review for this movie is the first three minutes were a dead giveaway that the high reviews for this movie were yet again another reminder how producers will go to no lengths (laughs) to artificially create rave reviews if you enjoy an opening of three minutes of a group of people chanting in a monotonous tone then this film is for you
1: people on IMDb love to accuse Hollywood of creating fake reviews and while looking up these reviews I'm like I am going to start leaving IMDb comments. <laughs> like I want to leave deranged IMDb comments. It
0: sounds kind of fun. Like some of them are like pretty clever. Some of them are just like like you said like deranged kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy we love people chanting, you know?
1: Yeah, we do love people chanting. Also a lot of people were like I watched the first 20 minutes of this movie I hated it. And I'm like, you can't leave a review then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't leave reviews on Goodreads for books I didn't finish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, the second the second review is, I think it would have been really good had they set the premise as an aging genocidal dictator's false family life based on his supposed innocence crumble around him as his family discovers the truth about his atrocities. That movie I would have enjoyed. I think that is the movie. Yeah, that's it. A- <laughs> uh, this... <laughs> this omg endless noise from protesters outside odd scenes with spirits of the dead and it was just boring in it's telling of the story
0: it's so yeah, strange I don't
1: know how this person
0: yeah it's so strange yeah. because the first half sounds like it's describing the movie and then the second half is like yeah. oh and then at like the part that it didn't like were like some of the more interesting parts like or at least like engaging parts yeah. like spirits of the dead <laughs> I think this
1: is definitely a movie I can imagine some people finding their way to, and just being disappointed that it's not a conventional horror film. Yeah, but I liked it for that reason. It's interesting also to talk about like elevated horror Mm. in terms of both of these films Mm -hmm. because this is like if you were going to be literal about it, this is elevated horror. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to rate it a. I know I said it was my favorite movie of the year. I'm going to rate it an eight. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope more people see it and that it reaches a big audience.
0: Yeah. Um, me too. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it's just, it's fun to think about, too. And like I said, love, like, uh, interesting ghost stories that are, like, working on different levels.
1: Same. Like, could watch a million of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'll read it, I'll read it in A, two. I really liked it. Nice. And I would watch it nice. again. I'm
1: glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. It seems like a movie we could have watched in, um class yeah in college
0: oh for yeah. sure i'm sure shocked you like this
1: yeah really good all right all right all right chick Flix is researched and written by bridget Hovell and edited by mackenzie chapman many thanks to tim grieve carlson for our music our next episode will air on april 5th and in honor of easter we will be discussing the other lamb and martha marcy may my <laughs>
0: Um you can follow Chickflix on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at chickflixpodcast at gmail.com and you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Do it. <laughs> Only five stars. Accept it. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.